For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. What's happening, Rebels? Hope you're doing well today. We've got a special edition of the podcast coming at you, uh, talking about a child trying to be removed from his father. Today I have on Jeremy Newman. He is the Director of Public Policy of the Texas Homeschool Coalition. I've done a ton of work with them. They're a fantastic organization, and uh, they don't, they're not just about homeschooling. They actually look at any legislation coming across the Texas State Legislature, looking for how it might affect the family in any way, shape, or form. Jeremy, thanks for being on the podcast today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Those watching, I'm fiddling with my mic. It keeps moving out of my face. <laughs> it's like I touch it and it flies out of here. Um, tell us the story. This is insane. Uh, I know a little bit of it, but I want to hear a better version. I don't want to butcher this for the audience. Yeah, yeah. So basically what we're looking at is there's there's a case in Texas right now that's known as the CJC case. That's the legal name it was given. But okay. the, the campaign that we launched around is called Let Her Stay. Yep. And so LetHerStay.com is the website. And basically the story is that back in 2016, uh, this mother and father of a five-year-old little girl named Anne, um, they had separated and they had agreed to 50-50, roughly 50-50 custody of their daughter. And then a couple of years after that, the mother moved in with her boyfriend at the time. And um, because the daughter spent about half of her time with the father and half of her time with the mother, that meant that during the mother's periods of possession, she lived with the mother and boyfriend jointly. Okay. So then the mother died in a car accident. Oof. And the boyfriend, who she'd actually gotten engaged to just before she died, filed for custody against the father. And so at, at this point, you have to take a step back and realize this person, like the, the child is only actually cohabitated with this man for between five and six months cumulatively up to this point. And he has no relation to the daughter. Yeah, no blood but, relation, no relation, wasn't married, less than six months in the home. Right. And now fight, how on earth does that even happen? How does early lower appellate court judges look at that and be like, what are you talking about? No. Like, I mean, I'm sorry that you're, of course you're heartbroken. I'm not trying to be callous yeah. on that end. Of course you're heartbroken. That is tragic. And you may have developed some relationship. How old is this little girl? She's five now. Five years with a dad, six months with the boyfriend slash short time fiance. And he's fighting for custody. How does this even get to the Texas Supreme Court? That just sounds crazy. Doesn't it sound crazy to everybody else? Yeah, yeah. So actually, I had a friend I was talking to about this yesterday who asked me exactly that question. Like, why are we arguing this at the Texas Supreme Court? Like, isn't the fact that that is happening at all concerning by itself? Right. And yeah, so the, the issue here is that the trial court and the appellate court both got it wrong. And they got it so wrong, like the appellate court got it so wrong, they didn't even issue an opinion. They just denied the request. And so the, it's a really big deal. And one a factor that makes this even stranger is that after the mother died, the maternal grandparents also filed for custody. And the appellate court threw out the grandparents' case on the grounds that they were unable to prove the father was an unfit parent. So the court said, hey, you're not able to prove the father's unfit, so we're going to deny your request for custody. But the court did not throw out 
the fiance's case. Wow. And the grandparents wow. had helped raise the daughter up to this point, right? So they actually had a relationship and they're blood relatives. Right. The fiance has none of those things. Right. Right. So it's just a crazy situation. And basically the fiance's argument to the court at this point is he says, hey, look, the, the statute that the grandparents filed under specifically says they have to prove the father's unfit. The statute I filed under does not specifically say that. And so I don't have to prove it. And the father's argument is, who cares? The constitutional requirement is that you prove this thing, yeah, right? And yeah. that we, we've had this in constitutional case law going back 100 years. And you're point. not a relative. Like, you're, right. not, you're, not, you're not a stranger, and you're a stranger. Right. <laughs> right? Like, you're just some guy with, without a wife. I mean, oh, my gracious. That's just insanity. It's insanity. And I love that you guys get involved in these types of cases. I've seen so many. When I spoke at the Texas Homeschool Coalition uh, in Dallas and Houston, there were so many cases that get brought up. I think people don't understand how much work you do. It says Texas Homeschool Coalition. People are like, oh, it's about homeschoolers. Well, yes, and it's about every single family in Texas. It's about every single law that comes across the legislature that might affect a family. And when families don't know where to turn, you know, the case that I was looking at when I was there uh, over a year ago, um, the local sheriffs and the police department and the judges were breaking the law. And parents were saying, who do we go to when the court is breaking the law? And the answer right. was, you go to the Texas Homeschool Coalition because we will fight for you. And you guys did and won the case. So we're so thankful for the work that you do. What's yeah, it like so, doing that under this quarantine and lockdown? People listening to this later are going to be like, what are you talking about? We're under a full <laughs> lockdown. People are to stay at home order and you're having to do this type of work. It's got to be an added pressure, added stress. Yeah. So yeah, it definitely is. And, and it makes it, it's, it's also harder to reach people, right? Because they have Ooh. all this corona coronavirus stuff going on yeah. and that's kind of blanketing the news. Mm -hmm. And so it's harder to break through and make sure that people are aware that this is going on. Yeah. But the reason it's so important is because like we're we have a hundred years of, of precedent on this issue, protecting parents that could be jeopardized by the way this case goes. Ugh. Right. Because the the fiance's argument here, and here's the kicker, right? They're not arguing the father did anything wrong. In fact, they all acknowledge openly, and the court found on the record that the father is a good fit parent who raises his daughter well. But still, the fiance's argument is basically, that's not good enough. The fact that you're a biological parent to the child doesn't give you any greater right to custody of your daughter than I have. Whoa! And th so that's why this is such a big deal, right? Because we've had cases in Texas before where the courts ignore the law, and that's a big enough problem, right? right? But right. that's one court. Now what we're talking about is an argument that says, hey, anyone should be allowed to do this. And if he wins on that argument, that affects everybody. It really does. It means, I mean, th that opens, I, I think people can understand that. That really does open a can of worms nobody wants to get into. You've got a right. dad who the court says, no, you're a good dad. You raise your daughter well. And a short-term fiance saying, I don't care. I want to have custody of this kid. I mean, that opens the door to, I mean, virtually anyone challenging custody of children, and it harms right. children. So does this guy still get visitation, all that kind of stuff, while the court ruling is going on? So the the visitation and possession rights were supposed to go into effect last October. The Texas Supreme Court stepped in at the last second and put a temporary halt on it. And so basically what that means is 
until the Supreme Court makes a final decision, yeah. the the order from the lower court granting custody to the fiance is on hold. So right now the daughter is with her father and it will stay that way only until the case is finished. And then it depends on you know what the Supreme Court says. That's crazy too, because the kid's not been with this fiance guy for quite some time. And yeah. now maybe one, I mean, if they get it wrong, then all of a sudden she's got to spend time with this guy that she's not been around. Oh, it's ter- it's terrifying. I can't even imagine. I've got an eight-year-old, and I just think, my goodness, if some wacko stuck their nose in my business like, I mean, and I got to ask, too, with this guy, why? Like, what, I mean, what, Yeah. I know you can't speculate, you know, you've got to do the right thing, but what's the motivation be- behind just not moving on? Like, you're not going to meet, an- but can you imagine this guy meets another woman and gets married, and she's like, "Who's this? Oh, I was engaged to this girl for less than you know, less than six months, and uh, I've got custody of her." Like, that's a crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've had a lot of people ask this question. Actually, why? Why would he do this? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And you're right. I, I don't actually know what the reason is. Sure, and I don't want to sure. speculate a bunch. But the the kind of the bottom line to me is, let's assume his motives are great. Right. Like he really cares about the daughter. He really cared about the mother. He just wants to be involved. He thinks he can do a good job. Let's assume all of that's true. Okay. The bottom line would be that doesn't give you the right to nope. take someone else's kid. Yep. Totally. Right. So totally. in fact, the, the attorney for the fiance argued at the, at the Texas Supreme Court, she said, look, he feels like the stepfather of father of the daughter. And I was like, okay, but that feeling Ooh. does not grant you the right to take someone else's kid. Right. Yes. And you know what? That's interesting too, because that argument is the argument for lots of other things. Well, I feel, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, when, when YouTube takes down Dennis Prager videos because someone feels these are dangerous, are they? Right. No, they're benign. They're not benign. They're well done videos on important topics. You might disagree with them, but it's the feeling, well, I feel this is unsafe for certain people. If they've been flagged so many times, yeah. you can't play them in schools or libraries. You can't have children look at them because they might be dangerous. Well, it's not dangerous. It's clearly not dangerous. You just disagree with the subject matter. There's no nudity. There's no cursing. There's no violence. You know, There's nothing that would be categorized as dangerous, and yet it, yeah. it's the feeling. Well, I feel this way. I feel like I was born a different gender. Well, that doesn't make you a different gender. I know that's controversial to some people out there, but that whole feeling thing, well, I feel this way. That's a crazy, crazy thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And in fact, I I was just trying to remember who this was, what the person's name was, but I think it might be the same professor actually who's kind of wrapped up in the homeschool Harvard issue right now. Yeah. Um, But a couple of years ago, there was a professor who wrote an article talking about how this idea that parents have some type of first right to their children is a dangerous idea and it pitches parents against children and that really children are kind of a community asset basically, right? That it's the community has the right to raise their children. And to me, like, you know, the person, the person who's involved in the case, like the fiance here doesn't have to be coming with some type of ill motive to be fitting into that narrative. Sure. Sure. Right. Like even if he comes with the best intentions, this idea that you being the parent doesn't give you any greater right to your child than anyone else has. That's just that's crazy, yep. right? And that's dangerous. Yep. And in and this situation, so like for for the pr- average person in Texas, especially to understand, and if this goes to the U.S. Supreme Court, this is for everybody. Mm-hmm. What they have to understand is what this means. If he wins on this argument, is you know 
your live-in boyfriend or your nanny yeah. or the student mm-hmm. who you rent out a, house, a room in your house to for the yeah. semester, right? Those people could suddenly have a legal claim to custody of your child right. and they could actually win yep. because they don't have to prove you did anything wrong or that yep. you're a bad parent. Mm-hmm. And here's the truth. I appreciate that you're coming from the assumption. Let's say his motives are pure. You know, I, I, I feel there's something nefarious down in there. I feel there's something broken down in there. And your point of, let's say his motives are totally pure, it still doesn't give you the right to be a parent of a child that you aren't the parent of and right. never were the parent of. Right. You know, that's the whole thing, too. You might be the boyfriend. Doesn't make you a parent. You know, right. even if she's got you involved with the child, it still doesn't make you the parent. Like, it literally doesn't make you a parent. You may have been involved. You may have helped out. You may have driven to school. You may have made breakfast, whatever. That doesn't make you a parent. You have to be a parent to be a parent. I mean, it sounds crazy even making those statements. But that's a <laughs> – yeah. it really is scary because it does. It means, you know, you could have a nanny that's like, oh, no, I want custody of your child. You could have a nanny – you know, you don't fire her. She's still in your home, and she just files for custody of your children. That's, whew, yeah, so scary. So you made arguments today in the Supreme, in, not today, but earlier this week in the Supreme Court. How do you feel that it went? I mean, you have no decision, but how do you feel that it went? Right. I felt like it went well. So as I mentioned before, like the Supreme Court, Texas Supreme Court, has been good on this issue most of the time. There was yeah. a decision in 2018 that I thought was awful. Right. It was, it was right. close. Right. And so... I feel like there's a there's a good chance. Plus, we've had turnover in the court since that time, so good. I feel like there's a really good chance that this one's going to go in favor of the father. And there were a couple justices in particular who that really came across that way. Yeah. Um, so uh, Justice Jeff Boyd and Jimmy Blacklock, the two of them in particular, they really challenged the fiance's attorney over and over again of basically this idea: of how can you claim right that this non-related person? has the same right to the child as the actual father. Like, how can you claim that? Where does that justification come from? Yeah. And so, like, questions like that really give you some insight into what they're thinking, right? The, the majority of the court, though, seem to hold their cards a little closer sure. to the chest. Let me ask you this. Where is the money from this guy coming from to afford an attorney for this long? That's got to cost a fortune to get all the way to the Texas Supreme Court. Where's that yeah. money coming from? Yeah, so for the fiance, I I frankly don't know where all of it's coming from. That's an interesting question, though, right? Yeah, no, it is an interesting question. And you know, on the father's side, this same issue comes up. And actually, it's kind of sobering to realize this, that for the father, as of last August, I think it was, he had spent $170,000 trying to defend himself in this case. And that was last August. Who knows what it's at right now, right? And so the point would be, what about all the parents who can't afford that? Yes. Right? You don't hear yes. about those cases. But right. it's not because their case wasn't good or because they weren't good parents. Right. It's because they couldn't afford to defend themselves. Yes. Yes. Is there any clause in the case where uh, the fiancé will have to pay restitution of court costs if he loses? That's something you can ask for, but it's it's kind of a Hail Mary. Like yep. You really don't know if you're going to get anything. Yep. I know. Mm, my goodness. My go- So I've got on the screen right now, LetHerStay.com. What can people do? Is there any way the people around the country can be like, this is crazy. How do they help? How can they do anything that makes a difference in this case? Yeah, so we have some action steps outlined there on the website. Okay. And we, we really set up the things that we need people's help with. And so if people can go on there and sign the petition, especially if they can share the video that's yep. on there, and yep. if they can donate to the case – what we're working on right now 
is two main things. We're trying to generate as much publicity on the case as possible sure. so that, you know, because it's still important for the court to realize the public is watching what the, yeah. de the decision yeah. being made here. Right. And then the second element to that is we're working to try and recruit ad additional organizations who might be able to come in and file more briefs defending the father mm -hmm. to strengthen mm -hmm. his case. Yeah. And in order to do that, we need to generate enough publicity that people recognize that this is an important issue. Definitely. So, yeah, if people can go to the website, share the video, sign the petition, and if they can donate to help the case, that's really what's needed right now. Awesome. Awesome. And when when will you hear back? Do you have an idea? Yeah. So <clears throat> the, they can technically do it on whatever timetable they want. Our best <laughs> guess is maybe late summer that we'll get an actual opinion from them. Yeah. And what happens after that is anyone's guess, right? It could go up to the U.S. Mm. Supreme Court. It could be going no. back to the trial court. <laughs> and so, really? And, yeah, and so it, and it depends on what they say, right? Like if the if the Texas Supreme Court gets it wrong, we're probably going to try and push for it to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Of course, right? that needs of course. to be corrected. Yep. If the Texas Supreme Court gets it right, probably what they're going to be doing at that point is kicking it back to the trial court and saying, "Hey, you got the law wrong. Apply this correct law and try again." And under those circumstances, now you have a battle at the trial court, Oof. right? But even if that happens, the fiance could still have appealed that Texas Supreme Court decision to the U.S. Supreme Court. Right, right. So, yeah, it, it could go a couple different directions, but the chances of it being appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court are decent. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't hear most cases that come before it, obviously, but the last case that they heard on this type of issue was back in 2000, right? That's 20 years ago. Sure. And so there's there's a decent argument to be made that, hey, you need to clarify some stuff here so mm -hmm. they might take it up. Well, well, we will pray they get it right and then it's over for the father. He doesn't have to go through this battle anymore. I can't imagine yeah. as a dad, I cannot imagine, imagine, imagine fighting for my child in this way against a person like that. I cannot imagine. I appreciate yeah. you being on LetHerStay.com. LetHerStay.com is the website. Jeremy Newman, thanks for being on. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it.